Good evening. Welcome to another episode of Constriction Pictures, movies that grab you. I'm your host, Bob O'Rourke, and if you're returning from last week, awesome. Thank you so much. But uh, if you're new to us, we're all about, well, movies that grab you. They got their filthy meat hooks into you at an early age, and they've stayed with you for a number of years through adulthood, whatever it is. You know, mostly horror movies, but not always. Uh, we'll, We'll see where we go with that. If you're curious as to what type of movies I'm into, just look at our logo and you might get an idea for my tastes. Also, a special shout out for our theme music, uh, Shark Zombie by The Shape. Thank you very much. Currently, we're on Spotify, Amazon Music, and just today, Apple Podcasts. Just want to say thank you to everybody who's been listening uh, so far. Really appreciate it. It means a lot. Also, too, please write in if you have any questions or any suggestions for types of movies I should look at. Shoot us an email. The email is constrictionpictures at yahoo.com. Pretty simple. Let's get into tonight's movie. Roll that trailer. Thirteen years ago, audiences across America were horrified by the savagery of a faceless killer. In the wake of this bizarre rampage, he vanished. Now, after more than a decade of silence, he has come out of hiding. Chainsaw Massacre 2. The buzz is back. Directed by Toby Hooper. Okay, so tonight's movie is Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, or Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2, whichever you want to call it. I don't care, as long as you watch it. It's Toby Hooper's 1986 sequel to, of course, his original classic, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Let's get into some film facts. Released August 28, 1986, everywhere, per the trailer. It was the final film in Hooper's three-picture deal that he did with Canon Films. Uh, Menahem Golan and Yorm Globus wanted a straight-up horror movie, but Hooper was actually making a black comedy. Bill Mosley was cast after his short, The Texas Chainsaw Manicure, where he played the hitchhiker from the original film, uh, was seen by Toby Hooper, who loved it and kept Mosley in mind for a future role. Gunnar Hansen was offered the role of Leatherface again, uh, although he declined to return, uh, namely because he felt that the pay was too low. Leatherface is actually played by Bill Johnson in the close-up shots, Bob Elmore everywhere else, and Tom Morgan for the bridge scene. Uh, Basically what it came down to was, according to Bob Elmore, uh, Bill Johnson wasn't able to lift the heavy chainsaw and swing it around. I mean, I think he said it weighed like 75 pounds, something crazy like that. So Bob does all of the action sequences the way I understand it at least you can definitely see in the close-ups of Leatherface that it's Bill Johnson um, you can see his eyes you can see his mouth and you can you know if you've met if you've met Bill Johnson you can, you know what he looks like so you can kind of see him through the mask and also in those action scenes when it's Bob Elmore the mask looks a little different it looks a little baggier on the face and also, Tom Morga, who is noted for playing both Michael Myers and Jason Voorhees um, and Leatherface now, um, he does 
the scene in the bridge uh, early on with Buzz and Rick. Um, apparently they had shot it once with Bob Elmore and something went wrong with the footage. They weren't able to use it, so they had to redo it. And from my understanding, that's where Tom Morgan came in and he, he did all that stuff. The first time I saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, uh, actually, it w- wouldn't be the first time I saw it, but the first time I encountered it, I remember that classic media VHS uh, artwork with the, the, the Breakfast Club pose on it. We all know and love it. Uh, as a kid, I would go to our local pharmacy, which had video rentals. Uh, we, we did have a video store sort of on the outskirts of town that was much further than, you know, being able to walk to. So I would go to the Frenchtown Pharmacy a lot, and as soon as you walked in, they had the horror stuff right there. It was awesome. And I remember big box versions of Nightmare, uh, The Forest, you know, and just all kinds of other cool stuff. And obviously, Texas Chainsaw 2 was there, and I remember looking at that artwork and looking at that box, and not really knowing what was going on. You know, I, I, I looked at the the pose that they were doing. I didn't realize, of course, that it was, you know, an homage or a wink to The Breakfast Club, but I think at that time, I knew who Leatherface was, or I knew of him. I don't remember exactly how I would have figured that out at that point, because uh, I would have been pretty young, but I was definitely freaked out by him, terrified by him, the thought of him, what he would do. But I also wondered why was that seemingly normal-looking old dude just hanging out with him on the front cover, obviously talking about the cook. Of course, I thought he was normal. <laughs> uh, and, and who was that really old-looking dude on there over on the, the, the other side, Grandpa? Uh, that dude looked like something I'd seen in a Halloween mask ad in Fangoria, you know, and, and I think maybe I had compartmentalized or internalized or whatever you want to eyes <laughs> um, what grandpa was or what he looked like uh, and then of course the guy in the middle chop top who's kind of smiling and i'm like what the fuck is that why is that dude smiling and what, what, what are they doing and i didn't know that nubbins obviously was a corpse down on the, in the front but i was kind of like what the fuck is up with that guy too and then the pictures on the back of the box you know, Leatherface is holding up, you know, LG's face and that. I mean, shit, I could tell that was a face. That was freaky. And then you got Lefty with his chainsaw. And I remember wondering, dude's wearing a suit, so he must be some kind of mayor or something. Or is he the guy that made Leatherface? And, made, you know, because I had this whole story kind of in my mind about what Leatherface was, that he was made by the mean people in town or whatever the fuck. Uh, so why is he had this chainsaw? Like he's making some kind of point or, you know, so I kind of made my own version of a Texas chainsaw in my head. And then the last photo of Chop Top messing with LG and he's got his Sonny Bono wig on his shoulder. And I remember wondering, why does it look like he's wearing a feather boa? The first time I saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 was on a whim. Uh, I was with my grandmother and we used to go to a lot of yard sales and garage sales and, you know, she would buy me all kinds of stuff, all kinds of toys, G.I. Joes. And we were on the hunt for um, an Indiana Jones figure from the, the Kenner line from 1982. But as I got older, you know, my interest kind of shifted from, you know, just looking for toys to, you know, movies and videos. And we'd always look for that stuff. And I remember getting a, my first copy of Creepshow. Of course, I didn't have a, a sleeve, but it was, you know, Creepshow on VHS, which was cool. And I remember also, too finding a copy of Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. And it was the Video Treasures re-release of, of the, the film, so the artwork was a little different than uh, the original canon, or the, the original media tape. And, uh, you know, she bought it for me. It was probably only like a quarter or a dollar, something stupid like that. 
and I took it home to her house, and I ended up watching it right then and there, watched it all the way through, and I can still remember every time I watch it when that opening music starts uh, after the opening narration, you know, the, the score from Jerry Lambert, when that kicks in, I'm immediately transported back to that first screening and what was going through my mind soaking in this movie for the first time. Okay, let's do a quick plot breakdown here. Um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2. I'm reading from the original media home entertainment VHS tape here. Plunge into the imaginable heart of sheer unrelenting horror. The blood-spattered saga of the original cult shocker, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, continues as Leatherface returns and the screaming begins again. Ten years ago, a demented family of killers butchered his loved ones. Now, Dennis Hopper, Apocalypse Now, Blue Velvet, is determined to wreak violent revenge. The trail of gore leads to a catacomb of surrealistic caverns where unspeakable evil is committed and innocent victims become the ghastly ingredients of a nightmarish enterprise. A gripping new experience and terror from the creator of the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, director Toby Hooper, Poltergeist, Invaders from Mars. Color, approximately 101 minutes, 1986. Just like the original Texas Chancel Massacre, this one starts with an opening narration crawl, uh, essentially recapping the events of the first film, almost in a previously on the Texas Chancel Massacre kind of style. Uh, the cool thing about this one, though, is it's, it again specifies the date of August 18th, 1973, when the events happened in the original film, uh, which, of course, in the original movie, they do say August 18th, 1973. Uh, but for me, that's pretty cool because August 18th happens to be my birthday. So Texas Chancel Massacre and my birthday together as one. Yes. The other cool thing about the opening narration is that it states officially on the records the Texas Chancel Massacre never happened. You know, they, they basically they can't find the family. They can't find, you know, none of the victims, none of the stuff. It's like it never happened. And that to me is pretty freaking terrifying that all the stuff that we saw in the first film essentially never happened. Or, you know, these guys are so good at cleaning it up and hiding it from authorities and everybody else that it just disappears. And then we kick in with that score from Jerry Lambert, which to me, it feels like a roller coaster ride into a fun house. You know, it's almost like you're kind of coming up the top of the, the roller coaster and you're dropping down right into uh, the darkest ride you've ever been on. After the opening credits, we're introduced to Buzz and Rick, a.k.a. Rick the Prick, uh, two high school seniors who are on their way to the Texas OU football game. Apparently, this is some kind of really big rivalry. I don't know. I'm not a sports guy. You tell me. Sure. Rick the Prick is shooting a gun at road signs, and he's just being an asshole. They're listening to the K Oakla radio station and decide it would be a really cool idea to call in and make a request. They get a hold of our hero, Vanita Brock, a.k.a. Stretch, played by the lovely Caroline Williams. We also have White Knight by Torch Song being played underneath the whole scene. Buzz and Rick the Prick are being obnoxious and just tying up the phone lines. They're playing chicken with Leatherface's truck, and, of course, he's got that that ooga, ooga kind of horn, you know, which is kind of funny, and they run him off the road uh, all while they're still on the phone with Stretch. And Stretch is starting to get a little annoyed with them and kind of like, all right, hang up, hang up, get off the phone, guys. All right, we, you know, we got it. You guys think you're funny. One of the cool things about Buzz's car is his license plate, which is fuck you, F A. <laughs> F-A-H-Q. It's kind of cool. I mean, it's, a, it's juvenile, but makes me chuckle every time. 
At this point, Stretch is getting annoyed with these guys, and she's trying to get LG to get the call dropped. LG is her studio producer assistant, and he's played by Lou Perryman. Lou Perryman was a sort of, I guess he was a Toby Hooper regular. I mean, he was he was involved with the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre behind the scenes. Uh, he was also one of the construction workers in Poltergeist, uh, you know, digging their pole in the beginning scenes. Him and Sonny Landham actually are the two guys that, uh, you know, are kind of making kissy faces at Dana. Since this scene also introduces the radio station, the Kaokla radio station, and, and what Stretch and LG are doing, I think this is a really cool uh, opportunity to talk about the soundtrack. Uh, like I said before, we've got White Knight by Torch Song being played under this entire scene. and um, But the, the soundtrack itself, it, to me, it almost feels like it was trying to be the Return of the Living Dead soundtrack, which had come out the year before. Uh, there's a lot of punk and new wave bands that I guess you really wouldn't associate with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, let alone Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2. Let's see, just looking at the track list, you've got stuff like Good to Be Bad by Lords of the New Church, uh, Goo Goo Muck by The Cramps, Haunted Head by Concrete Blonde, which LG later sings at one point. It's kind of funny. Um... Strange Things Happen by Stuart Copeland, which plays over the credits, and that's kind of a weird, that's that's almost like the ending to Reservoir Dogs with uh, the Harry Nilsson song, the, the Coconut. And right after the opening credits, we get Shame on You by Tim Buck 3. Uh, they actually have two tracks on the soundtrack, but this, this, one, this is the one that plays when Buzz and Rick are first introduced. And it's funny because when the first time I saw the movie, you know, when they're like, shame, 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 I thought they were saying chain, you know, chainsaw, but guess not. Then we have Mind Warp by, again, the Lords of the New Church. And then, of course, for me, the standout track on the entire soundtrack is No One Lives Forever by Oingo Boingo, which is from their Dead Man's Party LP. This is the one that plays during the bridge sequence, which we're getting to. To me, it's like I can't listen to that song without not seeing that and seeing Leatherface with Nubbins dancing with the chainsaw and all that cool shit. It's just, it's so, like, it's a perfect marriage of image and sound. The next scene starts with a, a really cool shot of the K. Oakley studio from the outside, a nice establishing shot, and we get the soothing tune of Goo Goo Muck by the Cramps playing. It's the middle of Stretch's shift. She's dancing and swigging a beer in the DJ booth while Goo Goo Muck is playing. Then she says she's going to give us a hot shot of rock and roll as she starts playing No One Lives Forever by Oingo Boingo. Buzz and Rick the Prick call back, and Stretch is not amused. She's not having it. They're requesting red lights and big titties. And again, Stretch is trying to get LG to cut the call. While they're in the middle of harassing Stretch, Buzz and Rick the Prick come to a bridge where Leatherface's pickup is stopped with its lights off, and then all of a sudden they start honking that ooga ooga horn again and block the road. Buzz and Rick try to pass, but the pickup stays with them in reverse as they're going down the, the, the bridge. And the, the funny thing is when you see the real bridge, it's it's a kind of a short bridge, so they obviously did a few few takes a few passes over the bridge to make it look much longer for the entire scene but it's kind of funny and at this point they're getting a little scared here and they're still on the phone too the whole time so they're you know doing this whole thing and yelling at this this pickup truck and lg's like well they gotta hang up and stretches you know she basically has to listen to what they're doing what's going on and then all of a sudden, Nubbins climbs out of the back of the, the truck, out of the bed. And he looks like he's got a cloak over him. And he's dancing around, and he's kind of doing his thing. And Buzz and Rick are pretty terrified by now. And they're sort of, their coked-out cockiness has already left the Mercedes. 
Then Nubbins picks up the chainsaw and fires it up. And again, creepy fucking imagery here. This is something to me that has always looked, I don't know, off, I guess is the right word. Like, and I think it's because Nubbins is being puppeted. You know, he's basically Leatherface is wearing him as a suit, sort of. And he's like puppeting him almost if you have like a, a little kid stand on your feet and you're kind of dancing around with them, you know, almost like the alien's power loader, I guess. And back at the K. Oakla studio, Stretch can't believe what she's hearing. She's kind of, her eyes are just widening as she keeps hearing everything that's going down. And she's hearing the buzzing of the chainsaw, Rick and Buzz screaming as the car's getting cut up with the saw. Stretch and LG are looking at each other in just disbelief. And LG's like, sound like a buzzsaw. Stretch is yelling at them to hang up, hang up, hang up, hang up, hang up. Rick Prick starts shooting at Nubbins, and immediately he hits Nubbins right in the face. And Nubbins' head kind of falls to the side, and then all of a sudden we get the stinger, and we see Leatherface for the first time behind his head. And Bubba is pissed. And Leatherface starts hacking away at the car, cutting up the door, and just, you know, practically almost hitting Buzz in the, in the driver's seat. And then all of a sudden the truck sort of lets off of Buzz and Rick, and, the, you know, the prick turns around and he's shooting back at the truck and, you know, bastards, you know, and then he looks over and he realizes that Buzz, Buzz has already had like, you know, his head is half sliced open and it's a pretty gnarly effect. And this is cool because this is the first Tom Savini effect in the movie. I mean, I guess technically if you want to count Leatherface's reveal as being, you know, a Savini effect and Nubbins as well, but not makeup, but the first effect that we're seeing from Zubini is here. And in the original script, uh, it actually had Buzz screaming during this part. But the actor that played Buzz, Barry Kenyon, he had the idea of basically that he would be silent because his brain has been cut in half. And Toby Hooper agreed with him and let him go go with it. And I think that's a testament to it because it's an effective scene. It's highly effective. His reaction to having half of his head cut in half where he's just kind of frozen in fear and he's got his hands up and his eyes are kind of wide and it's just like he can't believe it. And this scene in particular is one of the most terrifying scenes for my wife. Uh, She usually can't make it past this scene and she loves horror movies. She loves it all. She was into horror movies way before she met me. But this particular scene, she was always like, nope. And when I explained to her what you know, that that was Barry's idea to have him not scream. And, and then also the fact that Sabini's doing the effect and he's basically hiding in the back seat, pumping the blood. It's pretty freaking cool. And she agrees at this point, stretches speechless back in the studio and she hears the car crash and she's looking at LG. They're, you know, sharing the expression of just dumbfoundness and they can't believe their ears. And it's just dead air. Later the next morning, uh, there's a salvage crew picking up the remains of Buzz's Mercedes. Then we're introduced to Lieutenant Bodie Lefty Enright, played by Dennis Hopper. We'll get to him in a second. Uh, He's a former Texas Ranger, and uh, as we soon find out, he's also the uncle to Sally and Franklin from the original film. This is peak 80s Dennis Hopper. Uh, This is right around the time that he played Frank Booth in Blue Velvet, uh, either right before or right after. Um, So... 
basically take that performance from Blue Velvet where he's basically a walking cocaine bag. Um, and that's what you get here. <laughs> anyway, he's pretty shaken. Uh, he knows for sure that it was them. He's checking out the wreckage of the driver's side door uh, with the chainsaw cuts in them. And there's a really cool, great, subtle moment here that Hopper does where he almost touches the car to run his fingers almost along the, the, the chainsaw cut in the door. But then he remembers police work and quickly pulls his hand away. But then he kind of looks up and he's like, ah, fuck it. Touches the door anyway. And right under the door, he finds Rick the Prick's funky sunglasses. Kind of true to form, local cops show up and try to kick Lefty out of the accident scene. It's obvious that he was there before anybody. I mean, you know, he's already in the quote-unquote crime scene. <laughs> and uh, there's a suited detective, I guess, maybe, who tries to reason with Lefty. He comes over and starts talking to him almost man-to-man. -man. Uh, and, and, of course, Lefty basically says, you know why I'm here. And the guy's like, well, you know, your brother's kids were killed 14 years ago. That was way down in South Texas. This is other kids. It's just an accident. And a couple of wild punks out raising hell. And Lefty kind of reminds him that one of those kids got so wild that he sawed his own head in half. And, of course, suited dude is kind of, <laughs> he's not even believing his own bullshit that he's trying to sling at Lefty here. And Lefty says, hell. Hell's exactly what they raised. And he's right. Suit dude, you know, he doesn't want Lefty going around spouting the chainsaw stories, almost kind of like, uh, you know, he might as well be Mayor Larry Vaughn in the Jaws movies, you know, <laughs> basically you can go around yelling shark, you know, so he's talking about chainsaws. Uh, and he also reminds Lefty that he has the authority to put him right back in the next plane to Amarillo. And of course, Lefty or Dennis Hopper himself basically stands up to him and he essentially pisses on his carpet to establish dominance and says, you know, I'd like to see that authority. And then he gives suit dude his plan, put it in the news, get any information out about this so-called accident, maybe get some witnesses out. And he thinks maybe what that'll do will, he thinks that it'll shake the, you know, them out from their hiding place. Of course, suit dude just kind of stands there as lefty drives off and he just kind of mutters to himself, remember the Alamo cowboy. Yeah, so the I, I guess it's the same day, maybe, possibly, um, Stretch goes to see Lefty. And we start the scene off where Stretch is walking down this hallway full of drunken asshole cowboys. And, you know, they're throwing stuff. And it almost kind of looks like it's it's like a motel, cheap rundown motel. Um, I always thought that the drunken rowdy cowboys were in town for the big, you know, the Red River rivalry, whatever they call it. Uh, but then there's also the Toby Hooper cameo that pops up here right towards the end as she gets to the door. And it's kind of funny because the camera kind of lingers on him and for maybe a little too long to, you know, basically without having an arrow pointing at him saying, hey, look, Toby Hooper. Um, you know, he, he's practically looking into the camera and he's almost, you know, he's maybe two seconds away from doing a paging Mr. Herman. But yeah, Stretch delivers a real solid assholes to these uh, these crazy fellas as they're you know throwing ice and stuff in the in the hallway, and it's also kind of creepy how they're approaching her uh, while she's knocking on Lefty's door. You know, they look like they're kind of closing in on their prey. <laughs> um, she's got the newspaper uh, with the story about the accident, and as soon as Lefty answers the door, she's right there with need a witness, and right away. Lefty looks like absolute hell. Literally, Dennis Hopper looks like a walking corpse. It's it's kind of 
jarring because we last saw him, he was kind of full of life and ready to hunt down, uh, you know, this chainsaw family. What happened here, though, apparently there was another deleted scene um, of, of Lefty in his hotel room where, you know, obviously there's a lot of deleted scenes on the various Blu-ray releases over the years. Um, but I, I guess, unfortunately, this is one that never really, you know, surfaced. And apparently what was going to happen was he's in his hotel room and he's drinking a bottle of mezcal and he eats the worm that's in the bottle at, at the bottom of the bottle. And then he kind of hallucinates chainsaws coming out of the walls everywhere. And apparently there was a, you know, part of it had a 360 degree dolly shot that went all around him. And he's, while he was sitting on his hotel bed and he has his gun in his hand, uh, not sure if he was shooting at the walls or if he was going to shoot himself or what. Um, but that sounds incredible. Uh, obviously some of the crazy shit that we see later on in the movie, it's like, whoa, we're kicking it off early in the movie, 15 minutes into the movie, basically. Um, but unfortunately what happened was Canon Films wanted the movie to be a little bit shorter, so a lot of this stuff got cut, all the stuff with, you know, uh, the, I guess the character development, you know, with, with Lefty. And obviously, if you're listening to this, you're probably aware that it was originally intended to have Lefty actually be Stretch's dad. Um, long story, I guess, that got cut because for reasons. <laughs> so yeah. So Stretch is trying to get Lefty's help here. <clears throat> She's telling him, you know, that she believes him, even though the newspaper is basically making him out to be some, you know, crazy cowboy chasing chainsaws. She shows him the tape of Buzz and Rick's call and she tells him how normally they are supposed to wipe the tapes of all the call-ins, but she felt this one, something's a little different. Uh, felt like she's got tangible evidence here, and this is her chance to actually do something real instead of just playing headbanging music. It's almost like Lefty is still sort of in whatever days he was just in in the, the deleted bit that unfortunately we don't have here. Um, you know, he has some words with her basically telling her, you know, don't get in my way, and she's like, I'm already in the middle of it. Hello? And he said, he basically says, you know, thank you, whatever, I'm good. And he politely escorts her out with a little adios. The next scene where Stretch comes down and meets LG after he's building her the little fry house just had a freaking lights on, mind blown revelation to me after all the times that I've watched this movie and I never picked up on this until just now while I'm recording this. This is all happening in the same hotel that Lefty is at. Whoa. So she comes down, she's mumbling to herself under her breath, and she mentions, she, you know, she throws out hard ass, and of course, you know, um, LG responds, thinks that she's talking to him, and he's like, I ain't got a hard ass. But the fact that Drayton Sawyer is there, you know, winning the Texas Chili Cook-Off, and Lefty is desperately searching for him, they're in the same fucking building. Wild. Okay, so our next scene is the Texas-Oklahoma chili cook-off, which, uh, as I just said, is taking place presumably in the lobby or some area in this this hotel that uh, Lefty is staying at. And this is the first of, uh, well, this is the introduction to, uh, of course, Drayton Sawyer, uh, the cook from the original Texas Chancel Massacre. And what's cool about this scene is it's, 
I think it's that black comedy, dark humor that Toby Hooper originally wanted to have in the in the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, and we get tons of it in this one. Um, just the fact that you know here's this despicable person that we know from the original film, and he is not only feeding you know um, these Texans themselves. Uh, but he's also winning cook-off champions, championships, you know, <laughs> and it's, it's just, it's, it's kind of hilarious. The way that um, Jim Seidel comes in, he looks like he literally stepped out of the original film. And w- here we also get one of the, the, the first of many, many wonderful one-liners from, from the cook. Um, when, uh, you know, the, the announcer is trying the, the, the chili and she bites something that obviously is a bone and Drayton kind of inner you know cuts her off one of those uh hard shell peppercorns <laughs> that's actually something that i quote almost regularly on a regular basis around the house but yeah it's it's a great scene it's it it kind of introduces us to the humor that we're going to end up seeing throughout the rest of the film all right so the next scene we've got uh the cut right chainsaws shop uh, we got the the owner. He's just getting there. It looks like he's kind of, you know, starting his day, starting his morning. And Lefty rolls in. Um, you know, he's listening to the radio and he hears uh, the tail end of Stretch talking on the radio uh, from the last scene. And then Lefty walks into the cut right chainsaws as the guys literally, you know, still turn the lights on and stuff. And I don't know about you. I've done that. And that, that was always awkward. I always hated that at the video store when I would just get there and maybe I'm a hair late to open and there's somebody already trying to come in to get, you know, their copy of, you know, fucking talent to Mr. Ripley or whatever it was. Um, but it's cool. And then in the back, uh, lefty walks into the back where all the chancels are and literally dead center in the shot, uh, on the wall back there, you see the, the same model of the original chainsaw that Leatherface used in the, the original Texas chainsaw massacre. It's a pull in, 245a i think correct me if i'm wrong but yeah then he starts trying out other chainsaws and he's pulling out you know bigger models and trying everything and you know the the guy comes back and he's like what can i do you for and this guy too he's really like a like a full-on mr anderson from beavis and butthead it's kind of funny and then lefty you know lays down like a wad of hundreds almost you know real gangster like and just put that down and the guy's looking at it like oh okay all right cool and he starts swinging around a smaller couple of chainsaws and the dude's looking at him like this guy fucking out of his head here what's up you know and he's swinging him around like he's having he's fighting invisible ninjas or something and he just kind of looks at him grabs the three chainsaws and walks out starts hacking away at this giant ass fucking log out in the middle of the, the parking lot and meanwhile while uh Lefty's going to town. I mean, this is kind of Dennis Hopper just, you know, not not kind of chewing scenery, but chopping it up with a fucking chainsaw. Uh, he's going to town, and meanwhile, Mr. Anderson, guy there, he's goot, 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 gooting, you know, kind of having a good time and thinking he's going to close early and hit the bar. Dude's, like, losing his mind over watching this guy chop the shit out of a log. Next, uh, we, we've got an establishing shot of K. Okla Studios and Lefty sitting out there on the stairs, uh, basically waiting for Stretch. She pulls up, and now Lefty wants her to play that tape on the air. 
And of course, she rightfully gives him some shit about, oh, you want to hear it now? And he says, you know, he wants to hear it on the show. And meanwhile, she's still walking the straight and narrow about the legalities of essentially playing the murder of two dick dickweeds on the show. He wants to hear it on the show, and she's still walking the straight and narrow about the legalities of essentially playing the murder of two assholes on the show. He wants to hear it on the show, and she's still walking the straight and narrow about the legalities of basically playing the murder of two dickweeds on the, the radio. Lefty confirms that the killers are here, and he's citing all the kill sites being clustered everywhere, and he knows that they're there, and that's why he wants to hear the, sh the, the tape now. He thinks that it'll draw them out, and he's finally giving in and saying that he needs her help. And there's sort of a, an unwritten agreement between the two of them. She introduces herself, you can call me Stretch, and, you know, Mr. Enright, and he says, well, you can call me Lefty, and they're kind of friends now, and there's this great uh, little thing that, Dennis Hopper does here at the end of their their little dialogue where he says you have a date you haven't no. there's this great thing that Dennis Hopper does at the end of their dialogue where he says you have a nice day now and just the way he says it it's it's almost like they're they feel it, it feels like they're being recorded you know like they're kind of going through the the uh, the the usual steps to make a make have banter between each other. And then also at the end of the scene, uh, there's this look on Lefty's face where he knows what he's doing, but he also looks concerned, uh, maybe hopeful, hopeful that it'll work, that it, that playing the tape will draw them out. Uh, also, he looks concerned about Stretch's safety, like maybe he's regretting because he knows that he's going to use her as bait to draw them out here. And then we cut to... Drayton driving home in the grease truck and he's gloating and celebrating his win for the Texas chili cook-off and uh, it's actually kind of funny because I'm sure that uh, Toby Hooper just told Jim Sidow just do your thing so he's singing Drayton's number one one number one Sawyer family's number one and then we cut back to stretch playing the tape every hour and now it's in the afternoon and she's saying this is for lefty and of course we're cross-cutting back and forth here now and Drayton answers his mobile phone which I'm sure was a big thing in 1986 you know that there he's got a mobile phone here and he's still driving down the road and, and it, obviously it's the boys at home you know Leatherface and before we're introduced to him Chop Top and he's yelling at the boys you know don't call here and blah 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 and then he's he kind of cuts off and and he's listening to what they're saying and he turns on the radio and he's like, this ain't no joke, boy. And of course he hears the the murder tape being played over, over the air. And immediately he's livid. And it's great because there's some pretty entertaining insults from him to the boys that he's throwing out here. Um, yeah. <laughs> so he, he pulls the grease truck over on the side of the road. And basically he's going back to kick some ass at that at, at their their hideout. And then we cut to the studio again, and LG's answering the phones while Stretch is playing the tape again, and now it's the end of the broadcast day, it's 12 o'clock midnight, she's signing off doing her usual spiel at the end of the, the shift, and this is cool because it, it I, I guess maybe it's an Easter egg, maybe not, uh, but she plays the National Anthem uh, tape 
just like at the end of, uh, you know, a, a TV channel's broadcast back in the day. And this is the exact same one that plays in Poltergeist uh, when the TV is signing off. LG comes in and it's it's apparent he's got the he's got the hots for Stretch. I mean, who wouldn't? She's beautiful, uh, and she's she's pretty cool. But he's hawking loogies right out in the hallway, like where they walk. And I mean, I guess it's one thing if you're in a band and you're hawking loogies on the stage, where whatever. But dude, you're in your freaking studio. People walk through that hallway and maybe it's not just, maybe it is just the two of them, but I'm sure maybe somebody else is going to be coming in at some point. And I mean, that's just nasty, dude. Come on. And, you know, Stretch is kind of revolted. She kind of, she's kind of doing her log, her chart logs, you know, for the, for the, the shift. And then LG's given her grief about all the complaints that they've been getting from the callers, you know, another cussing caller and blah, 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 blah. But she kind of gives it right back to him and she you know, basically reading him the fine lines about it being a request and how they get complaints from, for the requests all the time. So it's no different. So that's kind of the the way that she kind of found the loophole that they can play the tape. And then he kind of makes a move, you know, and LG, LG's kind of making a move here. And he asks her if she wants to go for coffee and she seems flattered by it, but sends him off on his way just the same. And he kind of waits, you know, he hawks another loogie as he's walking down the hallway. I mean, he's not doing himself any favors. But then he kind of waits before he goes out the door, and then he hears her, he hears Stretch start up mind warp by the Lords of the New Church. And, uh, and he's like, ah, shit. And then he just decides it's time to leave. All right, the next scene, enter Chop Top and Leatherface. So Stretch is checking all the areas of the studio, um... She kind of gets the vibe that maybe she's not alone in there. And this is cool because we get to really see the the studio and the sort of layout. We're basically seeing everywhere where we're going to be for the next 17 minutes in this entire sequence. Um, and one thing, too, uh, I just watched this on 4K. And I never noticed all of the carpeting on the walls to muffle the sound of the studio. So I thought that was a cool touch. And whether or not it was actually a real studio, I don't know. Real radio station, maybe? I I, I don't know. In what might be the creepiest introduction to a character I've ever seen, uh, we get Chop Top, played by Bill Mosley. And, you know, he's sitting in that red light down on the couch, and he just looks unsettling. Stretcher's reaction to him, Are you fucking crazy? We are closed. That's great. Bill Mosley as Chop Top is just overall genuinely unnerving. His appearance, that Tom Savini makeup on him, uh, the Sonny Bono wig makes him look even weirder. You know, and basically he's playing the hitchhiker from the original film, uh, you know, Edwin Neal's character, but better. And then, of course, he's burning that clothes hanger and scratching up under his wig, scratching the plate and eating the crust from it, which I know it freaks a lot of people out and turns a lot of stomachs. And but that's that's something that I'm sure he relished doing and fucking with people on set and, you know, continues to this day that I'm sure he freaks people out leatherface popping up and coming out of the the record vault that's pretty wild when the lights come on and then the chains all starts right up and leatherface boom is right there and he almost gets stretch but of course he ends up hitting chop top right in the head and cuts the sunny bono wig and we get the first of many many wonderful insults uh, that are traded between chop top and leatherface and drayton calls Leatherface, you bitch hog! 
And he's complaining about, look what you did to my Sonny Bono wig. And then another famous line from this movie, Chop Top yells back at Leatherface, dog will hunt. So Leatherface is chasing Stretch through the studio and into the storage room. Meanwhile, Chop Top, he's stealing records from the vault for his own collection. It's kind of funny. And you get the sense that he's a real uh, pop culture nut. Uh, he's a big music fan, and he's, he, you know, earlier he was naming off all these different, you know, bands and songs and stuff to stretch, you know, when he was quote unquote making his request. And then LG gets back, and he's singing Haunted Head to himself as he's walking, you know, through the parking lot and back up the stairs. And he sees Leatherface's truck, and earlier when he was hitting on stretch, and he was kind of you got the sense that he was kind of competing with Lefty and he was a little jealous of Lefty and he thinks that this truck is Lefty. So he hawks a loogie right into the back of the truck, which is kind of funny. It's real classy, but it's funny. And then we get one of the most famous chop top lines of all time. Hey, lick my plate, you dog dick. LG's reaction is priceless too. What the fuck you think you're doing in here? You crazy looking little son bitch. And this whole sequence here, this is pretty intense because Chop Top attacks LG with his hammer. And I mean, I, I, I could see this is one of the reasons why this movie's unrated because he hits him so many damn times with that hammer and there's so much blood. Of course, you got the red light, so it kind of masks a lot of the blood, but you can see it, especially on the 4K. You can see all this blood and he's kicking his feet like Kirk in the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre when he gets bludgeoned by the hammer. It's a pretty intense scene. Right, so Leatherface is busting to the wall to get stretched, which is a pretty cool sequence. Uh, I think that was actually one of the first scenes that I ever saw of this movie uh, when it's in the Burbs, uh, the the Tom Hanks movie, the Joe Dante movie, uh, when Tom Hanks is watching this scene, you know, in his bedroom. And, you know, that's pretty cool. But then things get weird here. Um, Stretch is looking at him. She's kind of backed up into this, this uh, bed of ice with a bunch of sodas and stuff in it. And... Leatherface is kind of cutting at her and cutting sodas and they're spraying all over the damn place. And I just, I can't think of, I can't imagine how sticky that must, all that shit must be. But she starts to try to reason with Leatherface and she's like, are you mad at me? And, you know, maybe she, I, I don't know if she's realizing that, you know, these are the guys obviously that are responsible for the tape that she's been playing. Are you mad at me for doing that or what? And Leatherface is licking his lips and his gums and his teeth. And that's when Stretch kind of lets things get weird. And she's like, how good are you? And it just it kind of makes my skin crawl just kind of thinking about it. It's, you know, he starts using the chainsaw as um, <clears throat> his tool. Uh, it's pretty wild. And basically where he gets to the point of, shall we say, climax? Maybe? Um, he just goes fucking ape shit with the chainsaw and starts destroying everything in sight and doing his dance and yelling and screaming and having a temper tantrum. It's pretty nuts. Of course, though, we, we have the, the established connection between Leatherface and Stretch now. Bubba's got a girlfriend. And I always loved, um, how Leatherface nods to Chop Top when Chop Top asks, you know, did you get that bitch? He kind of nods like, almost like a, like a cartoon character. It's pretty funny so they load up the bonus body of lg into the back of their truck and they speed off and stretch actually follows them immediately you know she realizes that they're taking off and rather than 
running or sulking or hiding and crying about what she just went through, she immediately hops in her Jeep and starts following them, you know, like the best of the final girls in any movie. All right, so finally we get to the Texas Battleland. And the Texas Battleland, from what I understand, was a real theme park that was in dis- disarray, kind of falling apart. Maybe the land was being sold at the time. I, I don't know the exact story. But it makes for a great film set and cheap one, too, because it's all the shit's really there. It's pretty damn creepy at night. Uh, we only see a little bit, of, a little bit of the exteriors here and there. Uh, you know, as the as the pickup truck rides in and Stretch kind of follows, and then she kind of parks and sort of keeps close but far enough away from them. But it is it is kind of a you know rundown shithole, and it's kind of unsettling. Then Lefty shows up, you know, right behind Stretch as he's running, and this is frustrating. Why didn't Lefty say something sooner or honk the horn at Stretch as she's running away from him? She sees his car. She sees his headlights. She starts running. Why didn't he just stop, roll the window down, and yell to her? I mean, what the fuck, dude? She finally stops when he calls out to her. And, of course, she's standing over a trap door, and she falls. Like, basically, kind of like one of the cellar doors. And... He tries to help her, and of course he cops to using her as bait. Now, apparently this is what happened to Stretcher's mother in that deleted subplot of Lefty being Stretcher's dad. The story went that he used her mother as bait during a drug bust when he was still a Texas Ranger. Not sure where else it went from there, but it would have been symmetry between that and him using her as bait. But obviously, since that's not there doesn't make any sense and just kind of makes him look mean and kind of a dick now stretch falls pretty much into hell itself and she keeps tumbling deeper and deeper and deeper it's like each time you think that she stopped no she here here's a twisty slide she's going to go down and here's a tube slide and here's a pile of bones that she's going to fall and it's just it never ends and it just it looks bleak meanwhile lefty is back at his car he's suiting up he's getting all of his chainsaws out of the trunk and getting ready He's got extra chains for the chainsaws strapped across him like a like on a bandolier, which is kind of cool. He's got his chainsaws, he's saying a prayer before he goes full-on Dennis Hopper, pretty much for the rest of the movie. He's running and yelling, and he's doing he's going deep into the caves of Texas Battleland. And he says, Show me what a fear should, so I don't fear it no more. I kind of like that. That's that's a good mantra. Now, inside the caves here at Texas Battleland, uh, he's kind of ramping things up. He's still crazy Dennis Hopper at this point, but he's not quite full on like we'll see him later on. I mean, he's he's definitely over. The, he's lost his shit now. He finds this wall with a mural of Davy Crockett swinging his rifle at a Mexican soldier. And I, I'm assuming this was some sort of walkthrough part of Texas Battleland, um, but it, it's a pretty cool mural. And there's a little trickle of blood coming down from the corner of Davy Crockett's mouth. And, of course, we see it kind of go down to the ground, and it's kind of pulling in this in the dirt floor where it's just this bloody mess, bloody puddle. And Lefty kicks the wall and immediately breaks in just this all kinds of juicy guts and viscera, and blood just comes pouring out it looks like there's even a cut 
somewhere in there that make you know like they did it twice or a couple of a couple of times or poured more shit in there to pour out it's, it's pretty nuts um but it looks cool it's an awesome gory effect um it's kind of what i think of when i think of the phrase texas chainsaw massacre i think of a big pile of bloody guts and all that kind of crap so he starts chopping all the support beams to bring it all down and again from here on out dennis hopper is at like 11 on an insane coke fueled energy he's just going fucking bonkers for the rest of the movie so now stretch finds herself in i guess the meat room meat locker whatever there's lots of body parts and torsos hanging on meat hooks and i mean i I think if if donald sutherland's character from the 1978 invasion of the body snatchers came in he'd shut the place down Stretch can hear the family arguing outside of the where she's at, and Chop Top, Chop Top actually asks if they want to go to the movies because he says there's no crowds. It's kind of funny. And Drayton is complaining about being the biggest meat eater weekend of the month, and they're gonna lose money on it because everyone's at football parties because of the football game, and it's kind of funny that they're essentially serving these people themselves, which is cool. Chop Top reminds him that his Chrome Dome bankrolled the business as he says uh, he got his basically he got his va disability from his injury in vietnam which is kind of funny so that's also his backstory that you know he was the hitchhiker's twin brother and he was in vietnam and he got injured and um you know apparently he met the business end of a machete and that's why he has the the plate in his head he also wants drayton to kiss his plate which is kind of funny <laughs> Leatherface comes in with the electric carving knife, and I, I don't know about you, but electric carving knives always kind of are unsettling to me, and here, my, maybe it's because of this, I don't know, but I, I feel like I was always kind of nervous around them to begin with. So he comes in and he starts stripping, skinning LG, and at this point, I don't know if Stretch knows that it's LG, but there's great skinning effects with Leatherface holding up the face and the leg and the chest piece that he carves off. So kudos to Tom Savini and his crew here and even more effective with the the Foley sound effects. There's that kind of wet, kind of moist even kind of sound as he's peeling the pieces off and looking at them and stretching them and hanging them on hooks and, and what have you. So Leatherface finds Stretch and he tries to hide her. And I, I really love how he's sort of, he's like clapping his hands together as he's thinking about what to do with her and how to hide her uh, before he eventually puts LG's face on her face, which is pretty fucking crazy when you think about it it's like you're gonna wear your friend's face as a disguise he even puts her cowboy or puts lg's cowboy hat on her head which to complete the the image it's it's like she's some kind of weird mrs leatherface and then chop top bursts in and he's mocking drayton which is really freaking hilarious he's like you gotta run for that money now chase that dollar go fast and catch it and drayton calls him a dumb baboon and you know he's telling him He's tired of kicking their asses. And I I don't know. Why do I feel like what we don't see from the family in this movie would make for a pretty incredible sitcom? Is that just me? And then Leatherface has a little dance with, uh, with, with Stretch here while she's wearing LG's face and hat. And, you know, again, it really emphasizes that that Mrs. Leatherface kind of vibe. And, I mean, hey, Bubba's got a girlfriend. What can you say? Meanwhile, Lefty is still chopping the place down, and there's debris falling everywhere on Leatherface and the rest of the family. So he kind of runs off to, you know, see what's up with the rest of the family. And then LG wakes up. Of course, he hawks another loogie, because that's LG. 
and this is really cool makeup effects by Savini. Uh, the the if you've ever seen behind the scenes of photos, it's a pretty it's a pretty intricate piece of makeup that um, Lou Perryman was wearing. The you know in terms of the facial prosthetics, there's multiple pieces of that, and then of course the piece that goes on his chest and down most of his stomach, and then the piece on his leg. And when you think about it too, if you look at those pictures, this stuff looks pretty rubbery, but the way that it's painted and the way that's lit. And I mean, that's just a testament to perfectly lit and dressed appliances. It's, it's excellent. Also, I can't even imagine what that would feel like to be an LG skin. No pun intended. I mean, like think about like when you get like a, a brushed, a road rash brushed knee, you know, and you have that little skin, imagine having like an entire layer of your skin peeled off. That's fucked up. And so he cuts Stretch loose uh, before he dies with a sigh and a shit. But yo, LG went out like a champ. He took all those hammerheads like Rocky Balboa and I mean, shit, the fact that he was still alive after all that, it's pretty rad. Now Stretch is on the run and this is a cool part because we get to see the awesome art design in these scenes you know, really getting a chance to see what the, the Sawyer family's lair looks like. And I mean, there's all kinds of shit there. I mean, you can't even, I, I mean, you probably have to pause the movie and look in each frame to see what kind of stuff is everywhere. And I can only imagine how much fun it was decorating these sets. Parts of the beams are falling and Drayton is blaming Leatherface. And, you know, I, I don't know why he's blaming it on Leatherface. I mean, maybe just because it's, that's what he did in the original movie, you know, when he was, you know, look what your brother did to the door, that kind of shit. It is wild to see the skinned human body on a spigot behind them in the scene while they're having their dialogue bit, which I've never noticed before until the 4K. It's pretty wild. It's slowly turning, you know, behind them. And Chop Top is dancing around and he's puppeting nubbins and having full-fledged conversations with him too, which, again, Bill Mosley, being Bill Mosley and... Obviously, that's something that Rob Zombie saw in in him as an actor and loved, and I applaud him for it. It's awesome. Also, what's funny too here is Drayton is complaining about being a small business owner and how he's constantly losing money and how maybe he should just quit and you know forget about it and move on. Lefty's still chopping the place down, and he's by now I think he's pretty much lost his mind. I mean, he's he's just he's you know doing the whole bring it all down bit. And through all this, Drayton is still complaining about taxes. How criminals don't pay taxes, movie stars don't either. The small businessman gets it in the ass every time, and he's still threatening to quit. Chop Top's using a fire extinguisher as a napalm, just being like a child, running around being a, an idiot. <laughs> and next, Lefty finds Franklin's remains. This is pretty cool. Uh, it even has the flashlight in his hand. And you can see where the, the the corpse is pretty cut up. It's it's pretty much just bones and, you know, the tattered rags of clothes that Franklin was wearing. But he's sitting in a wheelchair, uh, which is cool. Now, in the original movie, correct me if I'm wrong, when the cook and, and the hitchhiker get back to the house and the cook is yelling at Leatherface about getting all these kids that have been showing up and... Leatherface is kind of having a moment and he's kind of like a child, you know, like pointing to that he got all of them. Like he's pointing to the freezer where Pam is and he's, he also points to a folded up wheelchair that's in the same room. I wouldn't, I mean, take that, that he got Franklin too, obviously. So 
Maybe it's a little bit of a plot hole here. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. Whatever. It's still cool. It's a great throwback to the original movie. Here, Stretch is in the attic, I think. Basically an endless tunnel. There's a lot of stuff going on in here, again, with, with, the, with the art design and, and, you know, all the stuff, all the different props that are in here and pieces. I mean, again, it must have been a freaking... It's almost like a, like an antique store threw up everywhere in this this entire scene but it's also one of the most frustrating scenes in the movie because lefty is literally right around the corner and he's still chopping shit up and cutting down beams and yelling and screaming and hollering and she's running towards in that direction but she hears the chainsaw so she turns around and runs in the opposite direction and of course he doesn't hear her screaming so you know it's just it's so frustrating because he was right there they were right there and the movie could have been over and she just keeps running down this this seemingly endless hallway with all this crap everywhere, junk and shit everywhere. She passes a corpse and a and a, another corpse in a wheelchair, and then Leatherface bursts out of nowhere and he has his chainsaw over his head and hits a chandelier and kind of looks like he gets a little bit of a charge from the electricity, which is kind of funny. And he chases her back in the other direction, and of course Lefty doesn't hear her screaming because chainsaw. And he's cutting down a beam, which blocks her escape. So literally, she has a cave-in right in front of her, right blocking her path. Frustrating as fuck. Drayton and, Ch- and Chop Top show up, and Drayton has this great, great uh, sort of opening line to, to the stretch. Are you the saboteur that's fucking up our house? <laughs> and Chop Top recognizes her, mentions how she's his fave. And Drayton's response is so great, he's like, that dirty thing? I mean, dude, look at yourself, you know? But Drayton's talking about how uh, you told me you got her, and Leatherface's expression and his eyes kind of darting back and forth is pretty priceless. It's There's some great humor in this entire scene, and also more great one-liners and insults from Drayton. Chop Top is doing the, Bubba's got a girlfriend, Bubba's got a girlfriend, Bubba's got a girlfriend, you know, that whole bit. But then Drayton has this whole thing where he realizes that that Leatherface has the hots for Stretch. And he's like, S-C-E-X, sex. Come on, that's funny. He's a, he's a complete fucking moron. But this is also where we get the famous, the Saw is family line, which becomes, of course, the slogan, the tagline for Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw 3, which would come out a few years later, 1990. Chop Top bludgeons her, and we cut to a blackout. Boom. The dinner scene. This is kind of remaking the original dinner scene, but on a much grander scale. If you take the time to look at the table as the camera pulls back from stretch, and you see the entire layout and the spread, you see all the different kinds of foods, and I'm assuming it's a lot of food that they have with their with their grease truck that they've been driving around with the last Roundup Rolling Grill. Um, but it's very, it, it, there's just a lot more going on here and a lot more to see, and it's almost sensory overload. We also get confirmation here that Drayton is the oldest brother in the family, and he's been taking care of his younger brothers. Obviously, Leatherface and the twins, if you will, of Chop Top and the Hitchhiker. Leatherface and Chop Top go and get Grandpa, who, who Drayton confirms is 137 years old. It's kind of crazy. Awesome, again, awesome, awesome makeup here from Tom Savini. Also, there's a skeleton hanging from the ceiling, and it's riding a bomb. 
and holding a cowboy hat over its head just like Slim Pickens and Doctor Strangelove. Not sure if I ever noticed that before watching it on 4K. This scene's also kind of frustrating because it repeats most of the dinner scene from the original movie, you know, with Grandpa trying to hit stretch. Maybe this is what prompted the other sequels to always have a dinner scene. You know, it's almost recreating the original sequence. It's kind of, is it lazy? Is it because they were rushed and they didn't really have a finished script while they were making this movie? They were just out of ideas? I don't know. What do you think? Drayton gets tired of Grandpa missing and, you know, he's trying to hit, stretch, and kill her. So he grabs the ha- the hammer from him and ends up clobbering stretch over the head and she's actually bleeding and she's kind of out for the count. And then Lefty shows up. And he's singing, and it, this is funny because Lefty's singing some, I'm assuming it's some kind of uh, some kind of a hymn, some kind of worship song, and Chop Top knows the song and he starts singing too. But then we also get another great Drayton classic here. He says, what the hell's going on here? That the American way entering a man's home singing like that? Naturally, he thinks Lefty is some sort of competition trying to run him out of business or out of, out of town. And he straight up offers him money, cold hard cash. Brings out a freaking pocket full of, of bills like a like some kind of gangster. To which Lefty responds, you know, I'm the Lord of the Harvest. And again, Drayton Gold. Who's that? Some new health food bunch? Come on, you gotta love it. It's hilarious. Then Lefty sees Stretch set up and it's on. He chainsaws Drayton right in the ass, cuts Stretch loose tells her to run, run little sister, run, and Chop Top takes off after her. And then we get um, the chainsaw fight between Lefty and Leatherface, and uh, the Dennis Hopper stunt double is very apparent in 4K. During the wide shots, it's like they don't even try to hide it. You know, it might as well be a different guy playing Lefty, because it is, but, you know, it's just it's really funny and really, really apparent. Goddamn straight razor out, and he's cutting her any way he can. Honestly, how many times does he cut her? That's that's might be a drinking game. Drink every time he's cutting her with a straight razor. We got the chainsaw fight still going on. Now it's on top of the dinner table. Drayton's hiding under the table, talking about, and this is one of my favorite Drayton bits of dialogue. Always, always, always gets it in the ass. Ah, sure. Sure took care of my hams. <laughs> Saved a trip to the hospital. <laughs> ah, looks looks bad. Sure burned my beans bad on that one. Leatherface ends up taking a chainsaw right to the gut, which is pretty intense. And naturally, he turns just right in front of the camera, so you can see. The, the blade went all the way through and you can see that it's spinning on both sides which is a pretty cool effect that Sabini and his crew did under the table Drayton's like maybe it's time to just shut down time to shut down the show yeah yeah pull the plug come here nubbins where where's that old fuck you Charlie and he grabs nubbins and nubbins actually has a hand grenade with a tag on it that says fuck you charlie hilarious again never noticed the tag until 4k 
Stretch ends up fucking up Chop Top with a lamp to his plate that obviously the, the lamp is plugged in and, you know, gets electrocuted, which is pretty funny. Grandpa's still alive. He's still kicking. He's trying to figure out what the hell's going on. And he ends up throwing the hammer uh, and it hits Leatherface, who falls onto the table with the saw still in his gut, cutting through the table and cutting into Drayton, who drops the hand grenade. And boom, closed up shop. The explosions happen just as Chop Top gets away from it, and he's chasing after Stretch going up this this exit staircase out of the fucking caves. And again, with that goddamn straight razor. And then they're climbing up this rickety staircase up the Matterhorn. I guess that's a Matterhorn, right? Like, you know, at Disneyland, whatever it is. <laughs> uh, and that goes into this little lair where Grandma is. And this might be one of the creepiest set pieces of the movie for me. It it very much looks like the kind of stuff that you saw in the original film in that one room where Pam had fallen in there amongst all the chicken feathers and all the bones and stuff. You know, we, we've got the motif of the, the mobiles that are made out of human bones and stuff and skulls again. Uh, there's a cool chandelier made out of bones and skulls. And Grandma's corpse, question mark, is she really dead i mean she kind of moves a little bit but it's so fucking disturbing it's just creepy i mean she looks like a mummified corpse and it also looks like she has the original chainsaw from that leatherface used in the original film which is a nice little touch it's a green i'm assuming pull on you know model chop top runs in there and he's calling her a hog bitch which i don't know what a hog bitch is but thank you texas chainsaw massacre 2 for introducing that insult to my vocabulary appreciate it chop top cuts his own throat with the straight razor which is pretty gnarly again obviously the clearer the picture is you can see that there's no cuts on his neck it's just you know that the old traditional tom sabini move of a dulled blade with fake blood squirting out of it and you know, it's kind of still cool it's still effective stretch steals grandma's chainsaw which infuriates chop top pushes him over the edge even more and she's trying to start it up and he's cutting the shit out of her back with that straight razor again she finally gets the chainsaw started and immediately slices chop top right in the gut this prosthetic kind of looks like the exact same prosthetic that leatherface is wearing uh, from the last scene only there's no chainsaw blade through it could be wrong about that chop top falls back down into the tunnels and originally there's a deleted bit here that's on, I think, some of the Blu-rays where his clothes were supposed to be air cannoned out after he falls down in there, like almost like he blew up down there too, which it looked dopey in the deleted footage because there's no sound, you know, no sound effects or anything. And it just, it's kind of stupid, kind of cartoony. And finally, Stretch does the chainsaw dance. She's lost her mind. She's standing there doing, you know, screaming at the camera as the camera you know pulls back and we see that she's on top of the Matterhorn and it's a pretty wild ending and that's Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 Toby Hooper's 1986 sequel to his classic Texas Chainsaw Massacre now for me in terms of it being a constriction picture I feel like it's it it takes everything that the first movie hinted at sort of just below the surface I mean you, you see a lot of people talking about the original movie and how violent it is and how gory it is and it really isn't there's only a little bit of blood and it's not the most that you would expect 
you know, the, the most chainsaw action that happens is right at the end when Leatherface ends up chainsawing his leg. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it, it's 80s extreme excess unrated horror in its purest form made for Fangoria. And I mean, you got to love Savini's effects in that. It's great. It's fantastic. So what are your thoughts on Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2? Write in constrictionpictures at yahoo.com. Let me know what your thoughts are. And what is next week's movie going to be? Let the trailer do the talking. What do you see? The howling. Somewhere in this city. In this human jungle. It begins. Just try. He's right there. What do you see? What's there, Karen? What do you see, Karen? What's there? Somewhere in these woods, in this primal, sensuous, secret place, lies an experience too terrifying for words. <laughs> and now, all anyone can do is watch and wait. Tonight I'm going to show you something. Make you believe. The Howling. All right, so next time we're going to talk about Joe Dante's 1981 werewolf classic, The Howling. And is it better than American Werewolf in London? I don't know. I can kind of go back and forth. We'll see. Also, too, uh, don't forget, please send emails uh, to constrictionpictures at yahoo.com. I want some feedback. Do you guys like this, uh, you know, th- this sort of format? Is it fun? Is it a good listen? I, I I don't know. I'm making this up as I go, as you know. So anyway, thank you for listening. Appreciate it. And I'll see you next time.